Hey everybody, welcome back to the One Mind Podcast. Today we have on Daryl Freider. Daryl has been in the VC industry for the last year or so, and before that he was the founder of a couple of companies. So Daryl, how are you? I'm doing well, Jacob. Glad to be here. We met last a couple of weeks ago, actually, and you were talking about, you know, before joining the VC industry, you were the founder of a couple of companies. So let's take it back before the VC, before you joined VC. How did you kind of get started knowing you wanted to be when the entrepreneurial mindset of maybe starting a company and also was there, was that always what you wanted to do or were you kind of, you know, pushed into that path? How did you get started with that? Yeah, for me, it started in childhood. Uh, my father is an immigrant from Jamaica and I just watched him in his entrepreneurial journey my entire life. So entrepreneurship has been in my DNA from birth, essentially. And uh, in 2018 um, is when I learned, you know, about venture capital. Um, and I read a book called Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun um, by Reginald Lewis. And it, it's an interesting book that talks the story about the first black man to own and manage a billion dollar company. And uh, he did so through leveraged buyouts, through investing in other businesses and flipping them into large returns that he then reinvested into these big organizations. And that was just a fascinating experience to read about his story. And it just taught me about this new extension of entrepreneurship, you know, venture investing that really was appealing and exciting to me. So ever since reading that book, I've just been on this journey uh, to break into VC and just doing everything in my power to position myself to be as knowledgeable as possible and to build the connections I need uh, to break in and have influence in the venture capital space. So it's been a tremendous journey and uh, it took about three and a half years to officially break into VC, but I'm here and having a great time at the firm I work for, which is called Visible Hands. And uh, it's, it's been a tremendous journey just working with so many great founders. That's amazing. I love that story. So you were, so very early on, you already understood that this was something you wanted to do. So when you were saying you were already, you know, it was in your blood to be an entrepreneur, right? So you, was your father kind of like the mentor? Did he push you into that as well? Did he want, it was it more, you know, you looked at him as, you know, that role model, right? Because he was doing all these things. You're like, I want to do that, right? I mean, so were you interested in the VC part of it or was it more starting your own company, you know, ultimately seeing it through to potentially IPO, whatever it may, may be, or was it VC side? I want to be on the other. I want to be on the other side of the table, right? Because you're going from one side of the table with the, uh, the founder all the way to the other side where you're actually investing or potentially investing. So how did that transition work? Yeah. So from watching my father, um, he was building small businesses in the construction and the home improvement space. Um, so I've always had experience working alongside of him in these small business type companies. Um, then it wasn't until around 2017, 2018, when I really started to get exposed to what tech entrepreneurship was and what startups were. And that mindset shift of the scalability and how big these startups can get really shift my direction from thinking about entrepreneurship from a small business perspective, but then to entrepreneurship from high, highly scalable tech and tech enabled and things that can scale into the Facebooks, into the Ubers and the Airbnbs. And just having that high growth tech mindset really was appealing to me. 
Um, and it was really appealing because of the impact that it can have in society and the world, um, primarily in regards to the ability for it to disperse and change wealth in regards to who has the wealth and the ownership of wealth and the ability to create wealth for various groups. Um, there's huge disparities in the income levels of various individuals um, from disenfranchised backgrounds, from underrepresented backgrounds. And uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity that entrepreneurship has in closing wealth gaps in this country and worldwide. Uh, so that's what really got me excited about tech entrepreneurship and then eventually led to my interest in venture capital. So did that mindset of, you know, bringing wealth to different, you know, classes, right? It's not just for the wealthy. It's also bringing, you know, that financial freedom almost to other classes and people of other backgrounds, right? So did that shift your mindset going into this specific VC firm versus another? Tell us a bit about that, why you chose th this VC firm, because you were saying before how your passion was also to bring that, you know, that freedom to other people. So was, was that a fact in your decision or was it more for just being an entrepreneur as well? Yeah, for me, I had no intention to work at another VC firm initially. Um, my plan was to become successful tech entrepreneur, launch companies, have successful exits, reinvest my capital into startups as an angel investor, and then use that track record to launch a fund. So that was my long-term goal initially. Um, and then, you know, I went back to school for my MBA in 2019 and finished in 2021. And um, a week after finishing my MBA, um, the role at Visible Hands for the Investment Associate came up and a few people recommended that I checked it out. And it was just proper fit, proper alignment with my goals to democratize wealth and access to capital for underrepresented founders. And I just jumped in and um, got the opportunity to, to join the team. And uh, with the fact that we're investing in underrepresented founders, it, it really helped me and the goal that I'm looking to achieve of launching my own fund to help underrepresented founders and, and democratize wealth. And uh, this experience has been tremendous helping Visible Hands at this early stage of their fund. And as they grow, I get to you know grow alongside of them with the education and learnings and the experience I've had as an investor. Um, so it's been really great working with the team and the exciting work that we're doing. That's amazing. So now, I guess, could you explain a little bit how a VC works? for the listeners, what the process is when you're looking at different companies, how does that process work for, for you? Yeah. So, um, venture capital in a nutshell, uh, you're raising money from limited partners, which are people that have a lot of capital that they want to deploy, whether it be high net worth individuals, family offices, institutional like banks and large um, organizations with a large pools of capital give money to venture capitalists that go on and invest that money into early stage startups. Um, and in this relationship between the LPs, the limited partners, and the VCs, the venture capitalists, is how we operate as a venture capital firm. The LPs give us money and we invest the money into founders. Um, then our goal is to pick the right founders to invest into and work with them to grow their companies and become huge successes. So when they eventually sell their companies or have an exit on the stock market, that we're able to return the capital back to our limited partners. And that's a simple version of what venture capital is. 
So would you say that the that the company itself with the idea, I guess at that point, maybe before they go to market, right? Do you think that the founder is just as important as the actual product? Yeah, so at Visible Hands, we invest at the pre-seed stage. So we invest in people with ideas, pre-product, pre-revenue, early traction. And we are assessing founders at the very early stage where we have to really look into the founder themselves, their team, and essentially the problem that they're solving or the problem that they're passionate about solving. Um, and then having the understanding that does this founder have the vision and the clarity of what they need to do to actually solve this problem and create a business around the fact that they're solving this problem for a specific, specific customer. Um, so we have a process for how we make investments into companies uh, through our accelerator program um, where it starts with an application. Um, then we have our team reviewing the applications. We select about 10% of the applicants to interview. And then we make investments into about 45 companies a year. Um, starting out with 1,400 applications this year, we received um, then interviewing around 200 and um, finishing up with 45 investments. Um, so it's our job to really identify the founders and their vision and the capability for them to succeed with their companies and the likelihood of them having a meaningful exit that will be a good return for our fund. Uh, so it really is interesting work that we do. Myself as a prior founder, and I still operate one of my companies today, I have a lot of empathy for other founders and I have good insight on what good founders look like and what they can do in regards to their ability to execute on their vision. And uh, me being on the ground level as a founder, I get to use that experience as a VC to help evaluate the founders that come through our doors and make the proper investments we need to make. So you, you were saying how you, as a founder, you were able to you know, understand the process right beforehand of what the actual company's going through, right? Not just from the VC side, but you're also under, able to understand what those founders are young founders, right? they're going through. So how has that been able to help you? Like specifically, how has that enhanced your relationship with some of these founders? Yeah, like I said, being a founder myself, I have tremendous empathy. I know the hard work it takes to build an early stage startup. And I can be able to really relate to the founders and understand their journey and be able to look at what they've built, their vision and their ability to execute and really make a proper assessment out of it without including biases or things that other VC, VCs may overlook. Um, a lot of times we see founders that are being overlooked by the traditional venture capital ecosystem because, you know, their background, uh, their, their skin color, what school they went to, whether they're in the network or not. And um, I'm able to look past those biases and also just look really at the fundamentals of what the company is and what the founder is building and their skill sets and the way that they articulate the problem and their vision to execute on that idea. Uh, so using my founder background, it really helps me understand what this founder is building, how they're going to do it and their likelihood of success. That's great. So a lot of us as, you know, high school, college, we've all had our, you know, our revolutionary ideas that can change the world, right? If you were, someone who wanted to pursue entrepreneurship. So someone who has their idea, they have, you know, they have a problem and then they're able to come up with a solution, but at a, at a very young age, how would you almost validate that idea into something you would 
should pursue versus something that, you know, maybe not the best idea? How would you kind of go over that process of understanding what's worth going to pursue for the next eight to 12 months before even thinking about going to a VC firm versus something that, you know, maybe not the best thing to pursue. And it's not something that really can be turned into a real product. Yeah. You know, the process of building a company, um, it really starts with what problem you're solving. And when I say what problem you're solving, I mean, like, what pain point are you solving for a specific customer? Um, oftentimes, people come up with ideas that are just cool ideas, but it doesn't really solve someone's specific problem. So really think about what problem are you solving for somebody and really develop in your mind and then eventually, you know, in real life, a solution that's going to be able to be a, 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 a be able to solve the problem for that person. Um, so always start with the problem in mind and then think about what's the solution that's going to be able to solve that problem. And then it starts with designing it. Um, I recommend hiring a UI UX designer or really getting good at UI UX design yourself. Um, then once you design that product, um, be able to develop it, um, whether it be you working with outside developers or whether you have people that can help you create the product, whether it's a physical product or a digital product. Um, but really that designing and developing of product and then going to market and putting it in front of the customers um, is that process you need to go to. And you need to be able to do it reliably for a long period of time. Um, being able to design, build, and improve the product over a sustained period of time with the proper resources to do so at a high level. Right. And as you know, a young entrepreneur, I was building out my own platform before you know, starting this venture a few months ago for financial literacy. And one of the main issues that I you know, had to deal with was not having a real mentor, right? Not having someone who could really, you know, show me through their lens of 20 years of experience, 30 years of experience, because they've gone through this there. It's not such an easy thing to find, right? You're not going to just find a mentor who's been successful as an entrepreneur. They're, they're rare. They're not someone you could just find on the street. So how would you go about someone who's a little lost as an entrepreneur, just feeling like they don't have you know, a sense of direction right now. They need that mentor to keep their head on straight, right? Because it's stressful. I mean, I was going through it for months, not really understanding where to go, where to go next. You're, the way you understand where to go next, you have to fail first. So how would you go about finding that mentor or someone that you can really rely on to point you in the right direction as a founder? Yeah, no, that's a wonderful question. Uh, in regards to finding mentors, I believe that there's a lot of free content on the internet these days that these people can serve as a mentor to you, even though they're not speaking to you directly. Um, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of books, there's a lot of YouTube videos that can teach you a lot of the knowledge you need to get that foundational information you need for your company. Um, so I would definitely recommend starting with those things. For me, I listened to a podcast called This Week in Startups um, by Jason Calacanis. That was one big one that gave me a lot of my foundational knowledge about company building. Um, but there's a lot of great podcasts and people out there that put up content such as Gary Vaynerchuk. In my early days of entrepreneurship, he gave me a lot of motivational content as well as um, tactical content of how to build a company. And just having those people that served as mentors to me just by their content was 
easily accessible and very helpful for me. That gave me that foundational knowledge that gave me the confidence to go start building companies. And the best teacher is going to be your experience going out right. and trying it and, and learning from doing and being able to learn from your mistakes and, and, and move forward from them um, is, is going to be a great process. Um, as long as you're doing it in a way where you're not putting yourself at too much risk, but you're able to learn and move forward um, throughout your, your journey, um, but not, you know, putting yourself in like a massive debt or like, you know, risking um, your livelihood or anything like that. Um, so there's, there's ways to be able to get the experience without putting too much risk on yourself. Um, I also highly recommend if you have the opportunity, if you're interested in being a startup founder, work at a startup beforehand um, because you have the great advantage of being able to learn on someone else's dime. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's actually an incredibly powerful thing where, you know, you're working with someone else as an entrepreneur that has taken on the risk of entrepreneurship, um, but you're able to, you know, support them and work alongside them and probably, you know, with some type of salary or compensation or even if you're not being compensated, you're just, you know, equity holder or, or co-founder, um, you can still get that experience without taking on as much risk. Um, so I always recommend you know, utilize free resources, um, build things yourself, join other teams and startups. Um, and then also, if you do have access to a mentor, it can be helpful. Yeah, I, I, I love that point of working on it on someone else's time, right? You're you're, you're being paid to learn almost, especially at like a young age, right? Like for me, I'm 18, right? So I just started, I don't have 10, 20 years of experience. So if you're able to find even an internship, right? Just to start learning from someone else who has so much knowledge about whatever it is, it's so beneficial to some of these young founders who wouldn't get that knowledge from someone else. And yeah, YouTube, I would listen to YouTube and a podcast. They have a ton of information. And also at the same time, there are still there's still different ways to go about it. But I think that that was definitely a big issue for me, finding that that mentor that can really help me understand that this is normal. You're supposed to fail. You're supposed to know. You, you're not supposed to know everything. That's You're not supposed to know everything. I mean, that's constant in life, right? You're not supposed to always know everything. So when you, what, you were talking earlier about, you know, this being your passion, right? And I love talking about passion. This is, that's what I started the podcast. I love talking about, you know, doing what you're passionate about and doing what makes you happy. So what does passion mean to you? Yeah, to me, passion is pretty much the foundation of doing what you love to do and what brings you excitement and enjoyment and pretty much what you want to see in this world. Um, so for me, I'm very passionate about the closing of the wealth gaps in this country and, and beyond. And every single day when I go to work, everything I do is aligned with the mission to close wealth gaps. And that has been what gets me excited, what's given me energy and motivation to work extremely hard each and every day. Um, so I, I love to see when people have a passion about something and they're pursuing it. Um, because it's that motivation that's going to keep them going when things get tough. So I always recommend people to do an assessment check of your own passion. What are you, what gets you excited? What gives you energy and keep you motivated to work hard every single day? And how do you turn that into your career? Um, because you spend a lot of time at work. So I, I hope that you're doing something that you love to do. And when that 
career and the way that you make money aligns with your passion, I truly believe that you'll live a, a very fulfilled life. Um, so having a passion and being able to do it as often as possible is, is super impactful. I think that everyone should be able to work within their passion as a career. I agree hundred percent. I think that passion drives productivity. I think if you're able to you know, do something that you're really passionate about, not just that you love, everyone says do something you love, but it's also, it's more than that. It's something you're passionate about, you believe in, right? Something that you believe will impact others and, and also enhance your life. So did you, as soon as you started, right, as an entrepreneur, was it immediate that you were like, okay, this is, this is for me. This is what I'm going to do. Doesn't matter how hard it is. Doesn't matter what path I have to take. This is for me. Was that kind of how, how it went down for you? Yeah, for me, I graduated from undergrad in 2015. Um, and while I was in my undergrad, when I was 19, I started my first business. It actually was a nonprofit organization. I ran two mentoring programs in local high schools and brought college students to mentor these students on a weekly basis. And I ran that for five years. And um, after you know graduating, uh, I worked for three years um, in management trainee roles at various companies uh, before going into entrepreneurship full-time. And in preparation for myself to, to be a full-time entrepreneur, I, I saved a lot of money. I built up my credit and um, made sure that I had a lot of uh, access to capital from my credit cards. I made sure I called every couple of months to increase my credit limit. And you know, by the time I was ready to jump into full-time entrepreneurship, I had about $20,000 saved in cash and about $50,000 in credit card limits that I can use. Um, so that was my startup capital that I was able to, to prepare for. Um, but I knew my entire life that entrepreneurship was the pathway for me. So I was able to prepare for it. Um, not many people, you know, know that from a very young age. Um, so as soon as you, you know, get the entrepreneurial bug and you have the idea that entrepreneurship is the pathway for you, you can start thinking about how will you prepare for it and get yourself ready. So that way, when it's time, you have the knowledge, the resources, the connections and everything you need to increase your likelihood of success with your business. Love that. Love that. And for people, because I also have even for myself, I'm not going to say for other people, for me, I know that because I'm 18, right? And for the last year, I'd say kind of was worried, like, what if I don't find my passion early on, right? What if I don't, you know, know right away, have that crazy story, oh, it just hit me one day, you know, like, what if I didn't have that, right? I was, you know, you get nervous about that. But then I realized there's so many different things you can be passionate about that kind of fuel you. It doesn't have to be Oh, so you have to find exactly what you want to do as a job right now. There are certain, not even just hobbies, but also just certain, certain activities, I guess you'd call them, that you can just be passionate about that can take up your time and can impact others, right? Just inspiring others, just create a social media to meet, network with other people who are able to enhance your idea of, of promoting passion. You don't even need to find your passion. Your passion could be finding other people's passion, right? I mean, that's what I realized. So it's so it's such a different journey for every single person. So it's it's also something to you know share to the younger viewers and listeners is the fact that you don't need to know what your life's going to look like when you're 18, 19, or even younger, right? I mean, it's not 
cookie cutter, every single person is going to live the same exact life, right? That's not why we're here. That's not why we're put on this earth. It's kind of step back, understand that it's all going to be okay. Just find things you're interested in and just put your best foot forward, right? You got one life. You better live it to the fullest and you have to understand that it's okay to not understand what's going to come next, right? It's okay. It's good to have a passion from a young age, but if you don't have it right away, that's also fine. So I think that it's an amazing thing that you were able to find your passion early on because it's a gift, right? So it's amazing to see someone find it so early. Yeah. And also I think that passions change. Uh, so you can start with one passion and then it changes over time. I mean, that's completely okay. And, and going back to what you said initially, there's no rush. You know, you have a lot of time. I'm 29. And even if I don't start anything, you know, spectacular until 40, like life is long. <laughs> so like you always have more time. Um, the most beautiful thing is just get started as early as possible because the learnings compound. Every time you learn something, you get to use it for the rest of your life. And as you gain more knowledge, more skills, more connections, things get easier over time. So for me, I started my first business when I was 19. Um, and I started my first tech business when I was 25. I wish I was starting tech businesses when I was 13. You know, But everyone has their own timeline. Um, but the earlier you start and the earlier you start the learning process, the better. And wherever you are 10 years from then, if you continue on that journey, you'll be in a very good spot. Uh, so just get early in as early as possible and just continue to learn from there and don't give up and really play the long game. Don't look for instant gratification. Look for long-term sustainability and consistency. If you're doing this over a long period of time, you're going to get good. Um, even for you, example, like you're doing a podcast. The first few episodes are not going to be as great as episode 100, episode 500. And yes. that's when things start really happening. Um, so as long as you're consistent and you're constantly learning and growing, that is all that matters. Right. Exactly. And also what you were saying about, you know, episode 100 is going to be, you know, obviously better than episode one. But at the same time, what people, you know, it's hard for people to go episode one, publish episode one and be okay with not being okay, right? Being Be okay with not being perfect right away. When people say, you know, you're gonna find, you know, your, your calling, right? The first time you ever do what you're supposed to do, you're not gonna be perfect at it. You're not gonna just be a born, you're not, when you say it, you're a born athlete. They don't, it's not real, right? You're not really a born athlete, okay? You might have your certain genetics, or abilities, right? But if you don't work on it, if you're not consistently working on your skills and honing them, you're not going to become, you know, a star, right? You're not going to become this successful athlete unless you're really able to work on your skills. You're giving certain skills, right? God gave you certain skills, but at the same time, if you don't work on them, you're not going anywhere. So you really have to work on what you're passionate about and what you actually have been given rather than just saying, oh, I've given the skills. Okay, so right away, should why is the results not coming right you have to still work on all of those those abilities that you have been given so before ending i always ask a thought-provoking question this may have been answered already because we went back into passion and kind of motivation but i like to ask what gets you excited about life 
So what gets you excited about life, Daryl? Yeah, for me, I get excited about helping others. And that's what gets me excited every single day. Having impact and being able to improve the lives of others is what really gets me fired up each and every day. Um, so I just love giving and love supporting other people in whatever ways I can, whether that be with my time, with capital, mentorship, resources, information, um, whatever ways that I can find to give, that's what gets me excited. I love that. I love that answer. Daryl, this has been amazing. This was an amazing conversation. I don't like calling them interviews. I love them. They're conversations. I love this conversation with you. And thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening. And thank you. Thank you, Daryl. This was amazing. We'll see you next week, recording next week. So thank you. We're out.